together to get here. One thing about Christ Church, we never cancel a service. Actually, everywhere Joy and I have gone, we've never canceled a service. I was in Geneseo for 14 years, and in those 14 years, there's never a, a service canceled except one Saturday night. Got real bad. Joy and I were out of town, and the associate pastor caved under pressure. <laughs> caved under pressure and, and, and canceled the service. It was the only time in the 14 years I was there that I had to pull out the church taser. <laughs> he never canceled another service. But we, uh, uh, I appreciate you being here. And, and, and I love it on days like this because the ones who are here, you, you know how important it is. And, and so you come. It would have been, you could have had plenty of reasons not to come. But you've come, and, and I appreciate that, and I love you for it, because uh, we serve a great God, and uh, we just need to be worshiping Him. And it's, if one person comes to a service, then we have worship. So, yeah, yeah, we, ne we never close. That's why. Um, we have uh, several things in the bulletin. One of the things that is, is not in the bulletin is that after the service, if you want, you can go down stairs and you'll see some art prints that I have done. The bear uh, has been completed. The bear is huge. It, it's about this big. Everybody needs a bear in their, in their, uh, in their uh, house. So we, what we've done is we've printed up one of each kind so you can see it if you're interested. And if nobody buys them, we'll start using them for doormats. Maybe we could, maybe we could uh, make them Sell them as doormats. Do you think we can sell them as doormats? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> and, and we do, and, and if they don't sell there, maybe we could give them away at the, at the yard sale. Speaking of which, Diana Sutton from our finance committee, our, uh, finance, our capital campaign committee, has an announcement. Go, Diana. Yes, I am with the Capital Campaign and with the Furnishings Committee, and you'll be glad to know I'm not asking for your money. <laughs> However, I do want your junk, your good junk. Uh, garage sale the first weekend in May, and we're hoping to make it a big one. We're not going to uh, accept adult clothing this time or large appliances. Um, but. As you're cleaning things out, and instead of taking it to Goodwill, kind of set it aside, and we'll start collecting things about the end of April due to lack of storage. If you have something you really need to get rid of now, let me know, and we'll make some arrangements. I don't know what they'll be, but we'll figure it out. So thank you. Other announcements, as you can see in the bulletin, just one quick announcement. Uh, we, we've run for, for a few years an open mic night here, and we are going to uh, move that to Carbon Cliff, and it will be uh, uh, fe Friday, February 7th will be the first one. And if you notice it, not just an open mic, it'll be a, a, a chili supper as well. It's a fundraiser for the, the community center there. We have opened that building, not as a church yet, but, but right now as a community center for Carbon Cliff. So it would be great if you'd all come and, and, uh, uh, and join us for that night from 6 to 8 for the chili supper and also the open mic. As we begin our worship service today, uh, uh, let's just be reminded that this is a time that we're looking at the early years of Jesus and what that means to us today. So let's pray. Lord God, I thank you and I praise you that uh, we, we have a loving God who... Um, who came into this world as Jesus. And I ask that you will help us to uh, truly praise you and worship you and honor you with our, with our worship. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Would you stand as we sing this I believe.
Jesus our Savior. I believe. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I Judge and our defender suffered and crucified. Forgiveness is in you. Descended into darkness, you rose in glorious light. Forever seated high. I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in you. I believe in you. again church I believe in you I am. 
what we need before we say a word. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. Oh, love, so undeniable. I, I can hardly speak peace. So unexplainable I, I can hardly think as you call deeper still as you call me deeper still as you call me deeper still into love love, love you're a good, good father that's who you are it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. Who I am, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. Perfect in who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good. You are perfect in all your ways. It's who you are. Him 
what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. Bow down before him. you guys here today. I know you are few, but you are mighty, and you are meant to be here. Right, Parker? All right. <laughs> okay, so I need some helpers, and um, I'm going to take Grace and Lily and, and you, okay? So come up here. And the question is, so stand, stand this way. Yep, perfect. You can hold these two, one in each hand, and this one, and this one. Does anybody know what this means? WWJD. Kathy's saying yes. What is it, Kathy? What would Jesus do? How many of you have, like, stopped in your tracks and said, you know what, I'm not sure what to do, but what would Jesus do? How are we going to know what Jesus would do if we don't study his word, if we don't come, if we don't have parents that continue to, to raise us up and show us what the Bible is. So I'm going to take this away. And I want to tell you that um, we're talking about Jesus and how he grew up. And it says exactly in the Bible that he grew in stature and wisdom. And so he is growing strong, and I thought, we can measure this. Let's just measure this and see how tall they're growing. As I continue to be here at church, I see how tall the kids are growing. And Grace, you are at about 63. Lily, 58. And what's your name? Annabella. Hi, Annabella. I'm so glad to have you here today about 47. So we can measure how they're growing, but can we measure how wise you're getting? Grace, how do we measure that? It's a hard one, isn't it? So we know that, what grade? Second grade, Second grade fourth, grade. fourth grade, and sixth grade, that there's all different levels of learning, right? 
But what about Jesus? Do you know that he was a child just like your each size? And as he is growing and learning, his parents are really showing him what God should be like, right? And I think with every one of you that when you were born, they looked in your eyes and they said, oh, what a beautiful child. What's he or she going to be like? Can I protect them? Can I nurture them? Can I allow them to grow in God's love? You know what? Being a parent is a huge responsibility, right? Just like Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph, they knew they had the Christ child. Mary and Joseph, they had heard the angels to protect him. They had heard all that. Go ahead and sit down. So what do we do with that as kids? What do we do with that with parents, right? How do we make that work? So as I was thinking, this was an ordinary family, right? Aren't we ordinary families? Then how can we learn and grow? And so some of the things I thought that uh, Jesus probably heard his mom and dad say was, tell me if you've ever heard this, really Jesus, when you eat your peas, then you can go outside and play. Do you think, do you think he was ever told that? I, I do too, Lily. How about if they went on a vacation? Do you think he ever heard Joseph say, don't ask me again, we're not there yet, and we're certainly not lost? <laughs> right? I think so. How many of you even think that maybe Jesus heard his dad Joseph say, I don't know, go ask your mother. <laughs> I think that's probably what he heard because you know what? Sometimes parents, we just do the best that we can. But you know what Jesus did? He came to a part in his life where he, he wanted to know God so much that he began to be with very wise people. And he began to go to the temple and he began to study and really think about what, who was God? Who was my father? And what is my role? What is my responsibility here on earth? And God revealed all that, not only to him, but then to us. So as we go about our life, I want you in this new year just to really dig in to know what would Jesus do? What was he like? And how can he help me in the decisions that I make for my life? How can he make me wise, okay? Can we work on that this year? All right, is that a thumbs up? All right, we got it. All right, let's put our hands together. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we count on you as you continue to pour out your wisdom, your grace, and your love upon each one of us. Lord, we just ask that you bless us and our families and continue to walk with us as we go about life. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you. Thank you, Karen. At this time in our worship service, we have an opportunity to continue worship by uh, praising God, by giving and, and receiving our, our tithes and offerings. So let's pray for this offering. Lord God, I thank you for all you've given us, how you work in our lives and, and how you uh, sustain us. And so now, Lord, we give back to you our tithes and offerings and ask that you further your kingdom work here in this world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amazing love that welcomes me, the kindness of mercy that bought with blood wholeheartedly my soul undeserving. God, you're so good.
so good. You're so good to each one of us. You sustain us with your loving power and grace. Help us, Lord, to daily choose your path that you have for us. Even in difficult times, Lord, we see that you can come shining through, empowering us to go through what we need to go through, learning from you and your desires for our life. Lord, also we know that we partner with you in prayer. So now we lift to you the names of those whom you've called us to pray for.
And Lord, we ask that you hear all these prayers and you answer them in the wisest ways, those that have been spoken aloud and also those that have been spoken in our hearts. You, you hear them, Lord, and you have already started to answer the prayers. We thank you, Lord, for that. And Lord, we ask that you hear us now as we pray the, together the prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, we're in the midst of a series called The Life and Times of Jesus, The Early Years. And I, I love this because they're known as the hidden years. But the truth is, those years make up about nine-tenths of Jesus' life. We just don't hear much about Jesus when he was a child in the Bible. We know about the birth. We know about what happens in the temple at age 12. But aside from that, we don't, we don't know much from like 2 until age around 28 to 30. So what we're looking at is uh, a time that um, Jesus lived. And some of what Jesus would have gone through as he was growing up, I thought uh, Karen did an excellent job talking about how interactions must have happened, much, much like it does today between mother and child or father and child. Uh, but right now we're looking at a time, and this is our assumptions. So our assumptions is that he was born, shepherds came that night, sometime within the first week wise men came, after their visit, they uh, had the, the naming of Jesus and also circumcision on the eighth day. Then on the 40th day, they would have still been down in Bethlehem because they would want to present the child in the temple for a couple reasons. One would be for the purification of the mother and also the, uh, the, the, the buying back or the redemption of the firstborn son. And then they would have been ready to head to Nazareth, but instead they... Jesus, or Joseph, his, uh, Joseph, uh, um, not, not Mary, but Joseph, actually uh, was warned in a dream to not return to, uh, to, to Nazareth or Beth, Bethlehem, but actually to escape to Egypt because Herod, the king of that area, was trying to, to kill the boy uh, because of his paranoia and jealousy of uh, hearing from the, the, the wise men that there was a, a new king that had been born. And so they go down to, to uh, Egypt. Some say it was around Alexandria. We don't really know. But uh, they, he would have spent a few months to two years there. And last, last week, if you were here, I, I probably just ruined your day because I, I mentioned that the chronological order that we have of time telling time is a bit off. You see, they, uh, around four or five hundred years after the birth of Christ, they tried to designate the pinpoint the time that Christ was born, and then that was 0 A.D., and then it went on from there. B.C., you know, the, the, the years go down. But from other historical uh, knowledge that we have, we realized they missed it for about four to six years. Jesus was actually born around 6 B.C., no later than 4 B.C. And one way we know that is we know that Herod the, the Great died in 4 B.C. He was the one that was after the child. And, you know, does, does that upset you that we got the time a little wrong there? Boy, when I first heard that, it did. I just, you know, it's like, you've got to be kidding me. But I've gotten over it. And uh, uh, it, it, it just makes sense. So we're trying to just to make sense of what history can tell us about those early years of Jesus. So what I'd like to do is to read two passages of Scripture that tell us about Nazareth and Jesus' early life there. The first one is from Matthew 2, 19 through 23. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child, and his mother, 
and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, he took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. And then also in Luke 2, 39 through 40, we read that when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own hometown of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong and was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his holy word. Let's pray. Lord God, speak to us through your holy word, and may this witness to your word be faithful. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, when we start out here, I first want to, I want to take you back in your life. I want you to, to think back of what it was like before you were a teenager, like from 2 to, to 12. What was that like for you? What did you enjoy doing? Where did you live? What was your home life like? What were your friends like? What kind of mischief did you get into? Do you remember your first day of school? Boy, I do. For some unknown reason, mom and dad were, were expecting me to go to school. So I had to go to school. Do you remember that? The first day of school? Remember the friends you met there? You remember things that, that, that uh, uh, took place and what you learned, what you began to, uh, uh, to, to, to develop in your life. Um, now I want you to think about Jesus in Nazareth. What, what was his life like as he was growing up in, in Nazareth? What was his early years like? Now, uh, this this uh, series is a lot about history, and some of you absolutely love it. Others of you are bored stiff because of it. I mean, just, you know, like the last thing you want to know is the history behind things. But it's, it's, it's important, especially in the hidden years of Jesus, to know what was going on because it helps us understand why things happened in Jesus' life. Now, uh, uh, Jim Power, some of you know Jim, he, uh, he texted me last week and said he was really appreciating this series, he was learning a lot. He said, one thing that could, that could help is if you would, if you would put up an, a map on uh, the screen so we could, we could see where these places are that were, where things were happening. And I texted him back and said, well, thank you for saying you liked the, the message series, but I don't know about the map because I'm just making it up as I go. And sometimes it feels that way, but yes, it did happen. And I want to show you a map of things that uh, would take, take place or what, what, where the, all this took place. Now, if you look at the blue line there, it, up on top, there is the Sea of Galilee. And then <clears throat> between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea, which is the big sea below, that's the uh, River Jordan. And everything that is considered Holy Land is pretty much on that western side of the River Jordan. But if you look, you'll see way up on top there where the Sea of Galilee is, there is a town known as Nazareth, and that's where Jesus would have, would have grown up. But 90 miles, remember that Mary and Joseph had to take that trip down to Bethlehem. And that's down by the Sea of Galilee, right to the left of it there. You can see Jerusalem and Bethlehem about five and a half miles apart, and that's where they went. So uh, Mary and Joseph traveled the 90 miles to get down to Bethlehem because of Caesar Augustus' uh, uh, census that was being taken. They had to go back to the, uh, to the town of, of their origin, uh, which was Bethlehem. 
the city of David. And then uh, Joseph was warned in the dream about Herod, who was out to get the child. Paranoid Herod the Great was going to kill the, uh, try to kill the boy. So they escaped to the south, and if you keep going on down, you run into Egypt and Africa. Now, the thing that this does not show, and this is so typical, it doesn't show what else was happening in that same area in the world. In other words, the, the cities of great importance in the world at that time are not listed. I'll give you an example. About four miles north of Nazareth was a large, large city. Nazareth at the time was somewhere between two and 400 people. No more than a thousand. It was pretty remote. But north of that was Sephoris, which was huge. Thousands and thousands of people. Some say over 50,000 people, right about four miles north. The other thing that was happening is over on the Sea of Galilee is Tiberias. It's a town that is mentioned in, in the Bible, but it was uh, mainly a, a Gentile town, so it's not mentioned there either. But there were things that were happening politically and in the world at the time that a lot of times we don't talk about. But here is an opportunity for us to do that because we don't know much about those hidden years of, of, of Jesus. So I want you to think about it. Jesus is brought to Nazareth. And if you were to go to Nazareth, it has a very high point. Some of you who know the story of Jesus is that uh, they actually tried to throw him off a, a certain high point near uh, Nazareth. And they think that's the, uh, the Mount of Precipice. And you can see for miles. I mean, it is amazing how far you can see. You can see the sea from there. You can see um, Sephoris very easily. You can, you can see the same view that Jesus as a child would have had when he climbed up on that, that precipice. But um, that's, that's where Jesus, his early years were. Now, he would not have known all that was going on, but there were some heavy things that were going on. Last week we talked about Pax Romana, which was a, a time of peace. And in the area, there was peace because any kind of insurrection was, was completely and totally squelched by a very paranoid and very vicious king. Everybody knew what Herod, King Herod was, was um, capable of doing, including killing a lot in his family, including a wife and, and at least two or three sons who threatened his throne or he thought threatened his throne. And so uh, there wasn't much chance of getting anywhere as long as Herod was, was king of that area. Now, now remember that he's sort of a, a vassal king underneath the Roman Empire, which was huge at this point. I mean, it was, it was bigger than ever. Uh, last week we talked about the first emperor being named as Emperor Augustus, Caesar Augustus which started the Roman Empire, but it had been growing and becoming more and more massive. And now they had controlled the known world. So over this area was obviously uh, Rome. But that, you know, that's, that's what Jesus was born into. And then, and then comes 4 BC, where they come back to Nazareth. And in that year, it's a very volatile year in that, in that country because after King Herod dies, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And there was a real struggle for power. One of the things that Jewish activists at the time were trying to do was to regain lost ground and once again, once again become this, this uh, 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 government ruled by God and, and, and Israel and not the, the Roman government and not have over them a Hellenistic styled king that, that keeps trying to implement things into the area that would be, would be more uh, under the assumption of, of Rome. And Herod was, was good at keeping Rome happy. And one of the things that he did was that he placed a large statue of the imperial eagle of Rome 
right at the front gate of the temple. Everybody that came to worship in the temple had to go right by that thing, and it really upset people. Couldn't do a thing about it, but it upset them. And so, as King Herod was getting close to death, he, uh, it was reported around uh, Jerusalem that he had died, or he was on his deathbed. And, and, and so there were a few Jewish activists that took that as an opportunity to try to re- reclaim lost ground. And the first thing they did is they took that statue of the imperial eagle and they destroyed it. The only problem with that was that the reports of Herod's demise were greatly exaggerated. And when he heard about it, he went into action and got the two guys. We know that their names were Matthias and Judas, and not the ones that we later see in the Bible, but these two, were, these two became martyrs and proud of it. They said, yes, we did do that, and they were, they were killed along with several of the supporters. But shortly after that time, Herod dies. And the kingdom is split into three sections. And up in, in the area where, where Jesus and Mary, jo- uh, Mary and Joseph are is now under the, the uh, control of Herod Antipas, a son. And then another son by the name of Archelaus is controlling the Jerusalem area, Judea. Now, because this was a time that people thought that everything was up for grabs, they became very volatile in the area. And they tried to take back power that they had lost. And there was an insurgence around Jerusalem that people were were uh, showing very, very much a disgruntled nature and uh, almost becoming uh, so, so worked up that it looked like a revolt was going to happen. And in 4 BC, this, this was something that, had, that Archelaus thought had to be controlled because he knew Passover was coming. And in, when Passover comes, Jerusalem swells to many many sizes larger and people from all over come and there are people who are volatile that are in that who are trying to create all kinds of havoc and when they do that Archelaus comes in with an army of people and takes out everybody who's who's uh, uh, in sight anybody who runs from the army was was to be killed the reports are that that in that one incident 3,000 people were killed and, for, and this is in 4 BC, he even canceled Passover that year. They had no Passover. Well, you know, when it comes to Jerusalem, that's not how to win friends and influence people. And Archelaus really didn't last that long. But at the same time, remember, that was happening down in the, 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 the holy city of Jerusalem, up where Jesus was at, in Nazareth, it was sort of out of the way. But remember, it was a place that was close to Sephoris and close to, to uh, Tiberias. And there was that Roman road that went right through that area, not in Nazareth, but close enough to see. If you're up on Mount Precipice, Jesus could have seen the, the caravans from people all over the world traveling north and south, going from Rome all the way down to Egypt and Africa, back and forth. And there were some self-proclaimed kings that popped up, at least three of them, unrelated at this time, but, but, but tried to take over area. And one successfully did. His name was Judas, not the same Judas that we know about, but a Judas who uh, um, uh, was the son of uh, a man by the name of, I believe, Hezekiah, came into the Sephoris area and was able to capture it and take it out. Well, at this time, Herod Antipas called in the big guns of, of, of Rome. And it was uh, uh, a Roman action at that time. And the governor of Syria was a, na- was a, a person by the name of uh, Quintilius 
Baris who came in and eliminated the threat. When there was a threat, Rome would come down hard and just eliminate the threat completely. And at the time, they burned a lot of uh, Sephoris, killed a lot of people, made all of them slaves. Just took it out completely, that, that huge city, thousands and thousands of people. Now, what happened to, to Nazareth, we don't, we don't know. Chances are, because it was this out-of-the-way place, it just, life just went on. And Jesus grew up in that, in that, that place. Now, what about, how did, how did he grow up? Well, he grew in, and it became strong. He developed wisdom, and the grace of the Lord was on him. That tells, you know, from Luke, it tells us that. And how did, how did he learn? You know, sometimes we think, well, Jesus must have just, by osmosis, knew things. You know, he probably started talking when he was born. No, no. This was God in human form. A helpless baby. Can you imagine God coming as a helpless baby? And Mary and Joseph would have had to protect him. And this is what I want you to learn. We, we don't know or we don't think of Joseph's role in Jesus' life as much as we, th- we should. Remember, Joseph was, was uh, uh, warned by an angel four times about what to do to keep, to keep Jesus safe. But there's more to it. The father is the one who is the dominant figure in the family for teaching the children. And it would have started, you know, all, all Jewish uh, children would, would be taught early on by their father, their mother, different things. Well, like what? Well, how about how to talk? Those of you who've had children, you remember teaching them how to talk? I remember teaching our two boys how to talk. I was very proud that, they're, that they were able to say dada before mama. Uh, and then, after they learned to talk, they wouldn't shut up. And I blamed Joy. I said, Joy, why did you, why did you teach them how to talk? Well, there would have been that time when they'd be teaching Jesus how to talk as a child. And then they would, they would teach, teach other things. They, they would start teaching him about the alphabet, those crazy squiggly lines and that they had a purpose. And then after that, they'd teach them how to put the letters together in the alphabet to make words. But there, you know, there's other things. It, it, in, the, in Deuteronomy, you know, and Mary and Joseph would have known this very, very well. It, it says here, Deuteronomy 6, starting with, with uh, verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, uh, our, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. And when you lie down or when you get up. Okay, now what they're saying is teach your children whenever you have a chance. And that's a good example for us in terms of our children and grandchildren is tell them about God wherever you are. Share the stories of Jesus and make it personal. That is a part of who they are as children of God. When you sit down, when, you, when you're walking, whenever it might be, those golden opportunities where you have a chance to talk about how God is working in their life and that they're, that they're important because God loves them, will always be with them, and they're children of God. That's, that's, what, that's what they were doing with Jesus. Imagine toddler Jesus going up and sitting on his mom's lap. What would she whisper in his ears? About how special he was. And about how important his role will be. Maybe he shared, maybe he'd, he'd go up and say, Mama, could you tell me about the night I was born? And she would share all that. 
And, and, and Jesus would have known from father and mother that he had a significant role to play in life because he was God's son. When he turned about uh, six or seven, he would have had a formal education. All boys, all Jewish boys were able to have a, a free public education. Uh, in the first century BC, it doesn't say anything about girls, but the boys, they got educated and they would have uh, uh, been taught the, the scripture and also the, 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 the religious law and they, they would have been taught reading and writing and history and elementary sciences and mathematics. That's what they would have been taught. That's what Jesus would have been taught. Along with that would have been Jesus's education at becoming a carpenter because of his father. Now, along with that, the, the, the whole uh, Jewish schools and growing up, how about this? Did Jesus have any brothers and sisters? What do you think? He actually did. He had four brothers and at least two sisters. We know the names of the brothers. They're mentioned in both Mark and Matthew. The names of James, Joseph, Jude, and Simon. Where it came along after after Jesus. So, uh, how many of you are the oldest in your sibling order? Oh, you guys are the responsible ones, aren't you? How many of you are the youngest? I, I'm one of the youngest. We're special. <laughs> we're the sensitive ones. We're. We're the ones that everybody else has to take care of. Funny thing, in terms of pastors, there's very, very few pastors that are the youngest in the family. Um, there's, there's many that are the oldest, and there's, there's a reason for that, because the oldest are the responsible ones. They're the ones that have to take care of others. Now think about this. Jesus would have had about at least six siblings. He was the oldest. Guess what he did? He had to take care of the kids, at least to some extent. But then there was also those times that he would have been with his dad. I can imagine when the first couple of other kids came along, Mary would say, Joseph, I got my hands full. Take, Joseph, take Jesus to work with you. And he'd be, he'd be uh, there noticing what G G Joseph was doing, and Joseph was probably talking to him, teaching him as they go. Now, these are some of the things we know, and some of them that we're kind of assuming. My question to you in these hidden years, as we're, as we're looking at this, is when you think of Jesus as a child, what does that mean for your faith in him as Savior of the world? What you heard today. What does that mean to you? I'd like to, to have you look at the bulletin front cover, and it'll be up on the screen as well. Did you notice that painting? That painting is really cool. What do you see in that painting? Okay, you have, you have Joseph and, and, and a toddler, Jesus. They're obviously in a carpenter shop. Joseph is... Uh, Got the boy right close to him. He's working, but also maybe talking with the boy, um, keeping an eye on him. What else do you see? The halo. Somebody said the halo. See the little halo around the boy? What else? Oh, there you go. There's, there's, there's uh, spikes. Jesus is picking up a spike. See that? There's three spikes. What does that remind you of? And then, as uh, Jeff said, Look at the shadow of the boy. What do you see? The shadow of the cross, the shadow of that boy says it all. What I hope you will take from today is the understanding that God loved you so much that he was willing to send his son into the world and that baby, that toddler, the one who is now learning, 
is the same one who came into this world to die on the cross for your sins. All through his life, the cross was there because of Jesus' love for you. I hope that I hope I hope you struggle with that this week. Next week we'll look at what happens when he's twelve years old. But right now I want you to I want you to imprint that picture of the shadow being the cross because of God's love for you. Lord God, I thank you and I praise you that you love us so much that you sent your only Son into the world. And Lord, we know that uh, Jesus came into this world to save us. Not to condemn us, but to save us. Your love is huge, Lord, and we, we are just now seeing how deep that love is. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Last week we sang this song, The Goodness of God is an Offering Song. And we thought today as we think about the goodness of God and the leadership of God, I'd like to send you home with that message in your heart. So stand and sing.
someone who needs love, forgiveness, or hope. Point them toward God. Let him save them as he is saving you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The people of God said, Amen. Amen. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I have made. I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness 